morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Sandy Roberts and I am the Service Manager at Carers Network. Carers Network is a charity that supports unpaid informal carers. We are based in central London and support carers in the boroughs of Westminster, Hammersmith and Fulham and Kensington and Chelsea. We have recently started a series of podcasts on a range of topics and this is the fourth in the series. Today I'll be talking to Sharon Hammond from an organisation called Working for Carers, whom we at Carers Network have been working in partnership with for over four years. Working for Carers is a London-wide project that supports unpaid carers aged 25 and over to move closer to employment. The project is led by Carers Trust and delivered by its network of partners across London. Welcome, Sharon. Hi, Sandy. Just to introduce Sharon, Sharon is project manager for Working for Carers project based at Camden Carers, which is one of four hubs of Working for Carers. We're going to be talking about how the project supports unpaid and former carers back into work, what this entails and how the effect the COVID pandemic has had on carers either in work or looking to go back into work. Sharon, can you give us some background information on the history of working for carers and the work that you do in helping carers and former carers back into employment, training or volunteering? Yeah, no, absolutely, Sandy. And thank you very much for inviting me along um, to uh, talk to your carers. Um, I mean, as as Sandy mentioned, um, the project now has been up and running for the last uh, sort of just over three years. Um, it was originally meant to run up until September 2020, but the project has been extended until 2022, which is absolutely fantastic news um, for all involved in the project and obviously especially for, for carers. And as Sandy, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the project um, covers sort of there's four main hubs of which Camden is one of them and Camden cover Islington, Westminster, Kingston and Chelsea, Kingston, Richmond and Sutton and then the other three hubs which are led by Lewisham, Redbridge and Harrow they cover the rest of the boroughs in uh, London and I think you know Sandy you sort of mentioned but I think it's worth mentioning again that our criteria is over 25 you have to be an unpaid carer not in any paid employment, um, and you can be an, a current carer at the moment or a previous carer. And what we mean by previous carers are anybody that was in a caring role but is not currently doing that caring role anymore. Um, and what we normally do is we normally use, um, I suppose, around right about the 18 month uh, cutoff point when people uh, have previously cared. Um, and thinking about the the carer's journey, uh, Sandy, you know, when people come on board, they can get referred by their centre or they can self-refer. It's a really easy process to refer on to the service. Then a member of staff will contact you and invite a carer in for an interview. They'll then complete all the paperwork. They'll be provided with a named advisor who will support that individual through the whole process whilst they're on the project. Some of the support will be one-to-one, some of it's group work. And, of course, at the moment with the pandemic, most of our services are via Zoom, telephone or email. It really does depend on whether the carer has the technology to use the Zoom. But we also have a tech volunteer that can help people set themselves up on Zoom um, and all those sorts of types of platforms just to support carers Um yeah, and some of the some of the support that we provide is uh, around application form filling, 
CVs, interview techniques, uh, research in training courses, which would help the individual to upskill themselves, and also personal development. I mean, during the pandemic, I think, you know, initially we, we were offering, and still are actually, we have been offering some uh, health uh, well-being checks just to make sure that carers have got everything that they they need and where they haven't, we've been signposting them back to the support staff within the carer centres and, like yourself, a carers network. If any of the carers that we've been currently working with um, need additional support, we've them liaising with yourselves to make sure that person has that support, either it could be around medication, it could be around maybe food banks, um, and all the other all the other things that our service doesn't cover. So we support people to move back into paid employment, volunteering, or training. Okay, and you mentioned the, the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, what are your thoughts on the, the pan- pandemic and the issues that carers face regarding employment or seeking employment during this time? Because I can imagine that it's very challenging, um, you know, because um, the majority of us are on lockdown. Well, we are on lockdown. And, um, you know, so it's difficult to do, um, you know, interviews and things face to face. I mean, what are the the issues and the challenges that um, you as an organisation are facing in trying to support people back into work during this time? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think it's true to say that, you know, anybody that's currently looking for employment at this stage, of course, it's going to be more difficult. One, because there's going to be more competition out there. Two, there are actually less jobs available at this time. Of course, there's a lot of people that are still on furlough. So I think when the furlough comes to an end, we're going to see a bigger impact on unemployment then. And of course, that's actually going to have an impact on our carers moving back into work. But I don't think it's all doom and gloom, because I think if one thing the pandemic has shown employers is that actually, you know, a lot of a lot of employers weren't so keen on people working from home. I think, you know, a lot of employers, are, oh, they don't really get on and do their work. So I think for a positive, uh, positive aspect of this is that a lot of carers have been asking for flexible working. And I think now employers can see that actually working from home can be just as effective as somebody traveling into work. So I think that's going to be a positive for a lot of our carers that will be looking for flexibility. Of course, not all carers want to work from home because actually a lot of carers want to go to work to meet other people, to be in a different environment. But where possible, there can be more flexibility. Of course, it's going to be more challenging in moving people into work but during the pandemic we still have been supporting our unpaid carers that are currently working with us we have been supporting them to move back in to employment which is fantastic but it's also an opportunity for people to think about well look if I'm not going to move into work right at this state right at this point because obviously the competition is really really high at the moment this is a really great opportunity for our carers to start upskilling themselves so looking at training that they can do working with services like ours uh, to ensure that they put themselves in the best possible position to move back into employment but of course it's going to be challenging it's going to be challenging for a lot of people um, who are currently unemployed at at the moment. But also what we have been trying to do is work with employers to look at um, more flexible working for carers, to try to look at supporting their carers to stay in work um, as as well. I was going to ask that question as well. I mean, have you had to advocate on behalf of carers um, in order for them to 
at least get some flexibility in the, the way that they work um, during this period of time? Or um, do you offer advice to the carer um, who will then go to their employers and, um, you know, with whatever issues they may have? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the thing is... Um really be because of resources um our service we only have two frontline uh employment advisors so really there's there is a limit in how we can get involved with employers at this stage because we don't have a dedicated sort of job retention type type worker Mm. but what we will do with carers is that we try to empower people so that they have the tools and the knowledge to advocate on their own behalf and of course we support people with that now if there's something uh, with regards to work that that person can't deal with on their own. Then, of course, what we would then look at, we'd look at to see whether they're attached to a union or we would guide them through this or through ACAS. We would guide them through this. But first and foremost, the first steps would be give individuals the tools to empower themselves so that they can go and speak to their employer and say, well, actually, under a duty of care, uh, uh, under the, the, the Work Act, uh, you know, that people can... Uh, ask for flexible working. Of course, employers don't have to give that because it really does depend on the role that that individual is doing. But actually, a lot of employers are willing to be are willing to be flexible. But for us, I think it's about us empowering people and giving people the information and the tools to empower themselves. Wonderful. So, how are carers' finances and welfare benefits affected when carrying out a caring role and moving into employment? I mean, do you touch on that with carers when they first access your service? Because obviously, there are some people who are perhaps in receipt of um, universal credit or welfare benefits, and um, they may be worried about that impacting once they move into employment. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the job market is, you know, it's difficult in a lot of respects because. There are a lot of jobs out there that are not, that, you know, they are zero hour contracts. um, They're not long term jobs. So that's really, that's always going to pose a difficulty with people that are on complex benefits. Now, even though we're not benefits advisors, what we would do when when a carer comes to us initially, we would ask them, currently what benefits they're in receipt of and really what the value of all those benefits are and then we would look at uh, how much would they need to earn for it to benefit that individual in moving back into to work so it's quite a benefit uh, a basic benefits calculation really but then what we would do because a lot of people are on quite complex benefits we would make sure that a benefits advisor would meet up with that individual just so that they can look at exactly what it is they're going to lose, what they're going to keep. Because what we don't want people to do is give up their benefits, move into a job and be worse off. I mean, there's, you know, but it's true to say that most people are better off. But financially, some people are not that much more financially better off. But in actual fact, what work does for people gives people a sense of purpose. It also makes people feel they belong to a different community, that they belong they have their own identity rather than just feeling that they are just uh not just but uh, an unpaid carer um so mm. i think that we do touch on that but we don't go into it as a project in into that much depth uh because we we don't have the skills to do that we would make sh- make sure that we refer on to a specialist so can you give us some examples of the the type of um jobs work that people that you've been able to support people into yeah, I mean, that it really, really does vary. We've had um, quite a few people that will have become self-employed. So they started up their own businesses in oh. 
that could be a fitness trainer, um, cookery, selling arts and crafts, um, also PPE. Actually, one of our carers set up, she's you know really um, great entrepreneur. Uh, she set up uh, her own business um, selling right. PPE as well. Um, so that's such as some of the self-employment. With actual PayUYE, people go into things like administration. We've had people going into teaching, banking, the cleaning industry. Because I think quite a lot of people tend to think that carers will move into a paid caring role because that's what they've been doing. But actually, we found very few of our carers that want to move into paid caring role. They want something different to use their skills in a different yeah. in a different way. And is it primarily full-time employment that they go into um, or part-time as well? A mixture, actually, a mixture of mixture of both. I think most people would say part-time would be better uh, so that mm. they can manage their, their caring role uh, better. But some people, it really does depend on the type of employment, but some people will move into uh, full-time employment as well. But it's a, it's a mixture of both. And um, once people are um, successful in um, gaming employment, do you continue to to support them past your, you know, the, the type of support that you provided? I mean, do you communicate with them? Yeah, I mean, we do. We say, we say to people, I mean, move people in, support people into employment. We say, look, if you've got any issues, any problems, please come back and speak to us. Don't don't leave it until you've got to the point where you're thinking, do you know what, I'm going to leave this job uh, because mm. either I can't cope or it, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. Come back and have a conversation with us. But we also track people after, sort of, say, 26 weeks to see if they're still in that current employment. But, of course, what we'd like to do is try to support that person either to sort of stay in that job or if they've started a full-time job and after a while they thought do you know this is just too much but actually I'd like to look for another uh, a part-time job we can have those conversations with with individuals as well although you know because our, our project is uh, funded through the European Social Fund and the Big Lottery Community Fund and of course we've got compliance that we need to follow and there's guidance that we need to follow um so you know when people come on board with us what we try to do is put them in the best possible position for them to sustain their employments um but that's not to say that people haven't come back and asked us about questions whilst they're in employment we will try to support them as best we can but of course fundamentally this project is about supporting people into work but i do think that there should be more of an element around the support whilst people are in work but of course again that's a lot down to resources but it is an area that we're looking into actually as a service so both our services work with people from different ethnicities within the boroughs that we work in. Do you, within your organisation, have translators and interpreters within your service who can support people whose second language is English? Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically what we would do, if we meet up with um, any carer whose uh, first language isn't English, then because we have quite a lot of forms to complete for the registration. What we would do, we would ask um, one of the carers if they could potentially bring in somebody, maybe if, uh, especially at the moment during sort of COVID-19, if they have somebody in the household 
that speaks um, and understands English better so that they can translate for us to complete the forms. If somebody doesn't have um, somebody in the home to support them with that, then we could arrange for an interpreter. But of course, if that carer is looking to move back into work and training, one of the first things that we would identify is really that individual would need to attend an ESOL class so that they could better their chances of moving into employment um, if they have both written and spoke, spoken English. But that's something that we would work with, uh, work through with with the carer. So just a reminder for our listeners, um, can you um, tell us again what the eligibility criteria and the referral process is? Yep, you need to be over 25. You need to be an unpaid carer, not in any paid work. Um, and you can be a current carer or somebody that used to care probably within 18 months. I mean, we are flexible. Uh, so uh, please, please come and have a have a chat with us um, to find out whether or not the criteria, um, you know, whether you fit into that cri- criteria or not. But also uh, just speak to one of the support workers. The support workers will guide you and let you know if you're if you're eligible for the programme. But it's a really easy process. You can self-refer or uh, as as we mentioned earlier, you can speak to a support worker. And um, we at Carers Network will obviously continue to refer people to your service. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Your referral forms and obviously the telephone and email addresses that we have. So anybody interested could also come via our route as well, just to put that out there. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and it's and it's great working in partnership. You know, I think, you know, we, we work in partnership with various other uh, carer centres and I think it's a really important resource um, for carers. And as I say, even though it's going to be more challenging over the next, probably the next year, um, to move people into paid employment, but that's not to say that people won't move into paid employment or even or gain the skills that they need to continue to job search. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you said that, um, you know, during this period of time that you're able to communicate with people via Zoom. Um, You did also mention um, teleconferencing services as well. Okay. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we, we know it's really crucial when people are job searching to have at least basic IT skills. And if people don't have a tablet, then that's something that we, we've looked at purchasing for people. Of, of course, it's on an individual basis. You know, we don't have a, a an open-ended pot of money, but, you know, it's looking at if somebody needs to do a course. And, of course, at the moment, people can't get out and about into libraries or to uh, training providers. So at this time, we are supporting people with with tablets to, to help them access training courses, Um yeah, and that's really, really important. And also there's Learn My Way as well. And also if people want to, they can have a look at all the different fact sheets that I know uh, Carers Network has put up on their site. And it's all about the job searching application forms using IT. So we've got loads of fact sheets up up on your site uh, as, as well. Okay, well, um, you know, just to wrap up, Sharon, I'd like to say thank you very much for the time that you spent with me in this podcast. It's been very informative and interesting listening to how things have been during this challenging time and how you continue to support carers on their route back into employment. It's definitely a much needed and valued service. And on behalf of all of us at Carers Network, I wish you and your staff all the best going forward. Thank you, Sandy. And thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. You take care. Bye-bye.